This week, we do the podcast version of a Star Wars Rebels tweet storm. Stay tuned for insane fan theories. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and the many versions of families you may find in our and other faraway galaxies. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we are taking a look, a final look at Star Wars colon, is there a colon in it? But yeah, I think. I don't, Star Wars Rebels. We're looking at Star Wars Rebels, the now ended series that took place between Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith and Star Wars... Rogue, well, I'm sorry, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Also, don't overpromise. You don't say this is the last time we'll talk about this. Like, if you look at our episode history, like, <laughs> 5% of our episodes are about Star Wars Rebels. No. How could we be done? <laughs> well, I mean, about this show as it as it is. Like, just talk about the whole show. I'm sure we'll make references to Star Wars That's Rebels. True. I mean, there is new Star Wars coming out, which we won't discuss at the moment, but so we're taking a look at what Star Wars Rebels means to us um, as fans who still love Star Wars and the things that Star Wars is putting out in the world. Um, Who still? Well, I'm, I'm saying I feel like there's part of the fandom that has suddenly started to quit because of, you know, one might ask, were they ever fans to begin with? Hmm. Hmm. Mm. And half our audience just dropped off. <laughs> Good well, riddance. Well, I. they may have been fans from a certain point of view. Okay. Way to stretch out the olive branch, Chris. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. Um, <laughs> so looking at Star Wars Rebels, we want to look through the vast amount of episodes, the four seasons of Star Wars Rebels. Um, I personally went back and rewatched the very first episode, the, the movie, um, Spark of Rebellion, and I rewatched the final episode, which I can never remember the title of that one. <laughs> that That's one. Farewell, reun- Family Reunion and Farewell. Yes, thank you. Which I feel like is a play on a MASH series finale title. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like they, theirs was something, something in farewell. So, I can see that. I mean, it is it's about story. It's about war. Um, mm. Just in stars. In the stars. Um, <laughs> But I wanted to look through there. I know that you personally, you went through and rewatched everything. Yeah, it didn't start that way. So before the final five episodes aired, I was like, cool, I'm just going to rewatch like the the Spark Rebellion also. Like, I'll just do that. I sent out a couple tweets like, oh, okay, this is a thing now. And so like I kept rewatching every episode of the show and pop up videoing it. Um, so if you don't follow me on Twitter at Mac Worrell, instead of just our holy professional account at WG animated, um, you've missed like a 600 tweet storm. Um, that's tells you all about every background character in star Wars rebels and where they pop up elsewhere and how the plot threads resolve and where things happen. And just a lot of art direction appreciation. It was um, very eventful, I will say. It was nice to, every couple of days, take a look and see what... Ep- oh, it's like, oh, yeah, that did happen in that episode. Oh, yeah, there was that character. Oh, yeah, that was a thing they did. Um, because when you look back at the plots of these episodes, a lot happened. There, there is a lot of plot and... Thankfully, character development <laughs> that happens. But um, there's also a lot that's left 
unspoken or unsaid. There are a lot of time jumps that happen that you see uh, characters change hairstyles and clothing styles and suddenly they're slightly different based on something that happened in between a season. Uh, I mean... But nothing major. I think all the major things are shown. Yeah, it's like... Mm, what's, a, what's a good example? So I've been watching a lot of the the Great British Bake Off, and it's the... It's the the Mr. Hall, the Paul Hollywood uh, phrase underproved and overbaked. Um, it's the opposite in these time jumps. So it's like the proving. It's when you're letting your your yeasty bread mixture like prove and be kind of warm and like expand and do its thing and ferment before you bake it. So if you have a time jump, you let the characters exist in the state that last happened from their emotional plot point and they kind of simmer in that. So other characters get used to what's happening to them emotionally and can get tired of their, like, gothiness. I don't know, in Ezra's case. Are they simmering or are they proving? You just, like, mixed up baking and... It's liquid bread, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just... (laughs) Her metaphor just got slightly um, folded in. It's fine, it's Star Wars. Yeah, it's it's Star. It's not baking. It's Star Wars. So, I, I just want to talk through I, how how should we start? Because I do want to say our farewells to this series, but I also want to take a look and see what this series means for us as fans and for Star Wars in general. Like, especially if there are some fans who haven't watched Rebels and are trying to figure out. Well, why should I even care? Um, you know, when mm-hmm. so people are like, is this Iron Fist or is this something that I should actually watch? You know, there's that question of I, I've missed it, but should I actually go back? Is there important stuff that happens? And I think I do want to lead that with saying if you have seen some or all of the previous cartoon show, The Clone Wars, this show has a deeper meanings. And you mm. can be more engaged with it, but there are no prerequisites for watching Star Wars Rebels. You can watch the whole show on its own and be fine. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. You... I went crazy and made like a pre-show watch list to just watch the best of Clone Wars before this of what's relevant. But you don't have to watch any of that. Wait. It's on Netflix, but... Wait, you made a what? Hang on. It's part of my tweet storm somewhere. <laughs> so I went back and like thinking of all the episodes of Clone Wars that you might want to watch before starting Star Wars Rebels. Like what would you need to hit to like understand the deeper meanings of some of the plot points? We would definitely have to watch the three episodes Saw Guerra act. Let's see. Okay. Yeah. So basically... You get some of the, the the clone stuff with Rex in it, kind of his big overarching plot. You get Ryloth, so you understand like what's happening with Hera's homeworld and Chamsundula. Um the baby force wielder people, um, Geonosis, um, all the Mandalore stuff, all the Darth Maul stuff. So basically the last two seasons of Clone Wars. No, you can surprisingly skip a lot. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think, like, I tried to get it down to, like, the very bare minimum. What do you have to know? And it's really, like, the beginning of Rex's plot and the middle point of Rex's plot and the end of his plot. Um, kind of like the beginning of... Actually, no, I skipped the beginning of Ahsoka. But, like, the end of Ahsoka's plot, it really just the Darth Maul Mandalore stuff. Mm. And some extra things. Like, there's not a ton. It's, like... 25 episodes. (laughs) So when you're looking at Star Wars Rebels, that being said, because there was this animated series that a lot of people um, grew to love, I I feel like people were scared of it after the film version, the Star Wars Clone Wars that was released in theaters by Warner Brothers, which was weird. Um, But like this animated Star Wars movie, feature-length film, which was basically... A pilot episode for this TV series that then showed on Cartoon Network and then 
off Cartoon Network and finished on Netflix. But I think Star Wars Rebels being the follow-up by the same creators and a lot of the same people doing it, there were certain expectations that people came into Rebels with, um, and which had nothing to do with the show itself, just had to do with fan expectations and where we wanted things to go, what we wanted to see. Would you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, I, I do agree, but it's, it's perplexing to me because I look at um, like the people who don't like Clone Wars, I think has a lot of overlap with the people who don't like Last Jedi. And that's really interesting to me because um, George Lucas was so involved with the Clone Wars and it being his vision. Like, of the people at Lucasfilm who are most closely aligned with George Lucas's quote-unquote original vision for Star Wars, it's Dave Filoni running the animated universe. Like, this is the guy who's tracking the original Star Wars feeling. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of the pushback that some people had with Clone Wars originally was, hey, they, we already heard this story in the series of novels that I loved. Yeah. Why are they, they taking all that away and throwing it away? But I, I already heard this story, and, and it's much better, and it's not for kids, and blah, blah, blah. So again, something outside of the show influencing people and i think they both can exist and it'd be fine <laughs> i don't understand how people like well this negates that story so it your love of that story is now suddenly gone i don't it's uh, it's the whole canon thing like canon as an idea i like the idea of telling one whole complete story which star wars is now doing mm -hmm. it wasn't doing at the time of the clone wars show um, but it's now doing, and I like this as a general light guideline, but people take canon so seriously, not just in Star Wars, but other things where it just gets, I don't, it's like, what's the point of even writing anything if you're just going to argue about all the nitty gritty details? It's like, I love the Legend of Zelda games. Do they make sense as an overarching plot? No, not at all. <laughs> Did Nintendo try to pull it together as one overarching plot? Yes, they did. Did it succeed? No, it still makes even less sense than it did before. <laughs> and that can be okay sometimes. You can have Star Wars things that are coexisting that seem to not feel the same, and that's okay. I think we could find some sort of balance, right? A balance in the Force? I would think so, at least in the <laughs> at least in the fandom. Can't we find a balance between, you know, what used to be and what is currently and what will be in the future? We could exist in this world where there's just multiple versions of Clone Wars. And I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so much about this fandom audience expectation. So, I mean... <clears throat> I remember when I first started watching, way back when I started watching four seasons ago, Star Wars Rebels, I know that I had certain expectations as a fan, which had nothing to do with the show. Um, one was like, okay, great. This has two Jedi in it. This is a show with two Jedi. So how are they going to die? <laughs> like that's, you start watching the series and I'm like, okay, how do they die? Before A New Hope. Before A New Hope. I know that they're not in A New Hope. And I know that really the the New Hope is Luke, which means there are no other <clears throat> practicing Jedi <laughs> in Episode 4. So they have to die or they have to leave somehow. So how do they die? That was the first yeah. thing. The next question that I started having is, well, is this going to tell anything from Clone Wars? Is this going to tie up any of those loose ends? Because that show got canceled and we didn't hear the end of it. And I mean, to be honest, I feel like we still haven't seen the end of Clone Wars because as long as Star Wars is telling the story, the hurt and trauma of the Clone Wars is still affecting us in episode eight. So Yeah, I, I fully expect some kind of more obvious Clone Wars reference in episode nine. Because it started, it started in episode eight. 
Um, and then, you know, how will this lead into Rogue One? I mean, when last we talked, we talked about Star Wars Rebels. We're like, what if this season series finale is them in the battle of, you know, Rogue One at Scarif going on? Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe, maybe we get to see that. Which felt really cool if you're thinking about canon, but wrong if you're looking at the story of these particular characters. So I went back to watch that first episode to see what were we promised? What was the story mm. that we were promised from the series as it was instead of the series as my expectations placed onto it? Does that make sense? Okay. So tell us more. What, <laughs> based on the first episode, what were your expectations? So re-watching it, I realized that all my fan expectations were wrong. All of them. All of them. Okay. So let can we start with that? What were your fan expectations? We'll, we'll draw that line. Okay. Difference. So my fan expectations was that somehow this was going to be the larger story of the rebellion. Hmm. And somehow get us all the way through to episode four that we would see that this is how the rebellion gets together. And yes, we did see some of that, but it's not called Star Wars Rebellion. It's called Star Wars Rebels. And I started to think that Rebels being all of them, all the Rebels together, but really it's just focusing in on a particular family and honestly, a particular planet. Mm -hmm. So we look at Lothal and the series begins with the Empire arriving at Lothal and taking over so we can see what it means when the Empire takes over someplace and what it does to that society and people who are free and forces people to make choices. So what happens when you can no longer be neutral and you have to actually choose a side and decide that you're going to do something. So it is really interesting if you watch that first episode and then go <laughs> skip ahead and watch the final episode because they are very close in terms of mirroring each other um, in terms of Ezra who is the whole linchpin in this series. Um, and much like Ahsoka in, you know, the early episodes of Clone Wars, I wasn't too keen on Ezra. And I wasn't keen on Ahsoka in the very first episodes of Clone Wars. But I mean, that's... That's what Star Wars does. I'm trying to think of like, a main character in any of their like multi-part stories that you don't hate at first. You hate Ahsoka, you hate Ezra, you hate Anakin, you hate Luke. Yeah, you really do hate Luke. <laughs> I wanted to they go all to the Toshi Station. <laughs> yeah, he's a whiny guy and suddenly everyone's mad that he's force projected to a nudist colony in episode eight. You know, now they're all just mad. Uh, yeah, what, I don't, what, what nudist colony? What's going on with that? That's Mark Hamill. I've, That's Mark Hamill. Okay. That's Mark okay. Hamill's theory because his arm didn't stay. If he took his arm with him, oh, then obviously he force projected onto um, a nudist colony because he left his clothes, but he took his robotic arm. Maybe the arm was more man than machine now. Oh, nice. <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, you go back and you start looking at Ezra. And in the very first episode, we have Ezra who doesn't want to join, who doesn't want to do what he needs to do, who's just looking out for himself, um, completely selfish, stealing stuff for all the, you know, to keep himself alive. And then in the final episode, you see him preparing to do things completely selflessly and he knows what he's meant to do he's made decisions 
he asks his friends to help him and he leans on his friends and he's able to enact three different plans <laughs> based on his understanding of the force. So it's just a rich character change. You just, the Ezra that you see in the final episode is much better if you go back and see where Ezra started. Yeah. So what characters have to grow for a story to be enjoyable? <laughs> wow. You can't just start with Mary dot Sue and then like have that be great for four seasons. <laughs> so did you have expectations when you were going back to rewatch things? Were there expectations that you had when you first saw rebels I don't know that I had a lot of expectations going back to rewatch. Um, I think I went into my rewatch with more of an open mind than when I started the show. Hmm. Um, and I think when I started the show, I was also surprised at first. Like, I was like, oh, Ezra's annoying, but I'm sure that will change. <laughs> um, but the animation definitely gets so much better as the show goes on. And I think that was jarring for me coming from Clone Wars to like right into Rebels. Because we have to remember Star Wars Rebels was the first Disney Star Wars thing released, I think. Yes. And I'm going to guess that they had to, for some kind of legal reason, possibly scrap all of their assets from Clone Wars and start again. <clears throat> Maybe Disney didn't own the animation engine. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but when you rewatch the first episode, the animation also like looks rougher than it does the finale. It it's still pretty. It's still pretty, but there's like two background characters that you see again and again and again. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah. With that, this so, the scenery is terrific. The character animation, I'm like, wow, that's that's a little, a little rough. Yeah, mm -hmm. the acting mm -hmm. is a little rough. Well, the, the physical acting, not the voice acting. No, no, no. The voice acting was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, like, I was jarred based on the expectations of how polished Clone Wars was at the end. I was like, oh, great. They'll just reuse that. Ha ha. And then <laughs> it's uh, a whole new engine, which is nothing wrong with reinventing. I, I like where they got to. It's just kind of a surprise. Mm. Um. I don't know. I agree with you that I think I did go in with the expectation it would be the story about the rebellion, but I disagree where I think it was the story of the rebellion. Hmm. Okay. Because you do see the rebels forming properly. You get the seeds of rebellion in Clone Wars. I think it really begins with Saw Gerrera on um, his planet. Onderon? Onderon. Um, and then Rebels is about the different rebel cells coming together forming a greater rebellion, getting a rebellion leader, and they have their first victory against the Empire in winning Lethal. But that wasn't really the rebellion that won that because there was a lot of conversation about no one's going to help them from the rebellion. It's just this one group of people saving their planet. I think to a certain degree they lost faith in the rebellion. Um, definitely Hera and Rex went back to the Rebellion, though. Immediately, to, like, do Rogue One's events, like, days later. True. I think they saw... They saw something greater. Everyone was trying to do something... Everyone saw what um, Ezra did in terms of a selfless act. And all of them acted in what they believed was the most selfless thing to do. You mean the main characters in the episode? The main characters in Rebels, yeah. Okay. I think they all made the decision to be selfless. So, for example, you know, you have Sabine staying. So leaving her family, doing everything, and staying to make sure that Lothal is safe. You have Hera taking her son and joining with the rebellion and still, you know, taking on her role and knowing that she has to play something bigger. And then 
you have Zeb going with his family and his new husband back to the planet um, to start a new life. Chris said it first, not Mackenzie. <laughs> Take note. I'm sorry. It 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 feels there's something there about like I don't. It was there. I I, I felt it. No, it's there. I was doing some research on this because obviously, like people were joking about this. I know um, <laughs> Steve Bloom, who voices Zeb, like celebrations ago said like yeah i think at the end i get to like get my man and go back to lira son with callus and start a family <laughs> and so fans have been all into this theory the whole time and it definitely feels quite affectionate um and it basically what he wanted exactly happens and so some ambiguity it's more ambiguous than the end of the legend of Korra, when there are uh two women holding hands and walking off into the sunset <laughs> but I don't know. Dave Filoni had some things to say about this. I think he, sweet, sweet Dave Filoni, <laughs> sweet Dave Filoni. Um, he's such a sweet man. Um, he's really interested in the lack of affection between men. And he says, yes, they care for each other. Yes, they love each other. But in my view, it's more like my being Dave Filoni. I don't have the exact quote. It's more um, about them seeing more in each other um uh but he's dave is also receptive to all the fan interpretations of what is happening in that moment mm -hmm. we, i think the oh sorry go ahead no i was what what i'm reacting to is there was intimacy in that and yes intimacy is not solely a romantic intimacy it's just we're not used to, as an audience, seeing two men being intimate, you know, holding each other like that and not having it be romantic. Exactly. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, I totally. So I, you can see it as both ways. I made the joke about it, you know, taking his husband back, but there is that intimacy there between these two people who are, understanding and have a deeper understanding of, of each other. And, you know, it's okay to have arm around each other and be welcomed in as a family. You could have and be family without being, having it be a romantic relationship. Yeah. I think the part of the quote that I did write down from Dave, I think talks about that. It's, yes. Um, some people, I think early on were like, how could he ever forgive Callus for what happened? But you kind of have to go, exactly, how can he forgive and what does that mean? Isn't that amazing if he can? Does the outcome have to be these two characters who would destroy each other? Or is it more compelling that they find this ground together and start this new life? What does that mean? So it's, it's about radical forgiveness. And I think that the way that's portrayed because of the lack of intimacy we see between men in media, we go like, ah, they're gay, got it. Uh, <laughs> but radical forgiveness and radical love doesn't have to be in a romantic love right in the spiritual vein of star wars and being philosophical absolutely I, i'm pro kalazeb as they're called is that what they're called i don't know that's I mean, what the internet tells me they're called I, I would not have a problem with that i would i think that's really cool if they went that way um however it's interesting whether it is or not. It's an interesting character choice, whether it is romantic or not romantic. The fact that there is one character who's able to forgive the other character in the, that manner. Mm -hmm. I, I love your phrase, radical forgiveness. That's what it is. I think I borrowed that from probably Richard Rohr. Um, <laughs> Um, I had a train of thought. It's gone. Oh, ultimately, yeah, I think that this is the Zeb Callus moment, assuming that they are just friends and having this radical forgiveness moment. It's an encapsulation of what must happen in the background at the end of Return of the Jedi. Because for the galaxy to come together, there has to be this radical forgiveness of, like, you were part of the Empire and you were jerks, um, but you were doing your job, jerks. Can we forgive you for doing that? That's 
a, a theme throughout his, history in great wars is a there must be a radical forgiveness. You can't convict an entire country of war crimes just because you fought against them in a war. Hmm. So to me, that'd be interesting in a future Star Wars show, uh, seeing the fallout of the Empire being dissolved. Well, do you, that's what we're getting. <gasps> Maybe, possibly, kind of. Well, we'll see. We, we are getting a series, a live action series, so we won't be discussing it on this show directly. <laughs> it's a, the live action Depends show. how many visual effects are in it. That's true. <laughs> if it's... Because they said they're using the same technology as the Jungle Book. Exactly. So if it's motion capture, we will be discussing it because that's still animated. Boom! Boom! That's just puppets. You're just <laughs> you're just being a puppet. That's just <laughs> that's just puppets. Digital <laughs> digital rotoscoping. That's all you're doing is digital rotoscoping. Well, before we talk about the new shows, let's talk about. What's left open by Rebels, briefly, to talk about what could possibly be in the future. Yes. So what isn't wrapped up at the end of Star Wars Rebels? Well, um, the big one. Do you want to start with the big one? Sure. Let's start most obvious and go down. All right. Obvious. So um, the whole story of Star Wars Rebels is about Ezra. Where is Ezra? Ezra's gone. We know he's not dead. We know he was taken by hyperspace octopi to another realm, possibly outside of the known galaxy. Past the outer and rim somewhere. Uh, part point one dot B, um, Sabine and Ahsoka go off to find Ezra wherever they are. Yeah, I want that show. That's the yeah. show I want. TSR car does too. <laughs> I was reading an interesting so I was reading an interesting exchange that happened shortly after the show wrapped up of uh, Donald Faison of Scrubs fame going to a Q&A and asking these questions and now Donald Faison is in the new Star Wars show coming up. Hmm. Staged? Or did he get a job off of his good questions? <laughs> uh... I think point two, um, Hera's son, mm. Jason Sandula, spelled exactly the way you think it is off of Star Wars Legends, J-A-C-E-N. So, replacing a Jason Skywalker, I think? No, Solo. Solo? Jason Solo? One yeah. of them. Jason Solo. Okay. So now we have a Jason out there. Mm. Interesting. Is Jason Force-sensitive? Is he one of Luke's apprentices later? What does he go? Does force does the force follow bloodlines? Well, they say in the epilogue, and we all know how his father was. Latino? Could be personality. <laughs> <laughs> no, Chris, space Latino. Space Latino. Splatino. Space Splatino. That sounds like a really fun, like, Nintendo sequel offshoot. Splatino, instead of Splat... Isn't that a thing that... They... Yeah, yeah, there's a Splatoon. Yeah, Splatino, but it's like... Just Latino Splatoon? Just Latino Splatoon. Splatino. Copyright. Um, and then sued. Um, <laughs> so Jason, Sindula, and Hera, um, who's friends with Han Solo... Uh, friends is a generous term. Knows Han Solo. Knows Han Solo. Um, as we learn in Forces of Destiny. So we knew Hera was going to survive long before because of events in Forces of Destiny. Mm -hmm. Did that ruin things? Was that a... I don't know. Um, I don't think it ruined anything. No, we no. know Rex... Rex Survives at least for a little bit. Yeah, Rex is still around. So what happens to Rex? Rex is the, the only Star Wars Rebels character to be in a movie so far. <laughs> yeah, but that's... Albeit a movie made 30 years ago. It's like, that's cheating, though. That's che I feel like that's cheating a little bit. A lot of bit. It's, 
I don't expect there to be any more Captain Rex because at the rate the clones age, I think by the time any of the new shows are set, Captain Rex will be dead. Yeah. Of natural causes, if not war. <laughs> if not war. Well, he if he made it through the main war, he either gets killed post-Return of the Jedi, maybe he becomes live action again. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I don't know. It's a question. Um, who else do we have? I don't think we have questions about Zeb. I think they tied up Zeb pretty well. Yeah, it kind of felt like towards the end of the show, they were... Like the last half of the show, it felt like Zeb's purpose was kind of done. There was a lot less Zeb. Mm-hmm. So it kind of feels like that. If Zeb and Callus are done, that's the end of Zeb and Callus. Cool. Uh, Sadly. Do we have questions about the Inquisitors? Where did they go? What happened to those guys? Um, there might be more Inquisitor questions. I feel like there's only... I don't know. I feel like they're kind of wrapping up some of the other stuff. I was reading about the Inquisitors in the comics, some other like comics Inquisitors that get created and killed off to kind of fill in the missing numbers of like fifth brother, sixth brother, seventh brother, mm-hmm. etc. Um, for me, I'm sure they're going missing. Like ignoring, there's some stuff that was kind of wrapped up. The two things that I think I have big questions about that are background things. Uh, the Darksaber. Yeah. But that's Sabine. Well, she leaves that on Mandalore with um, what's her face, Bo Katan. Because that's the whole thing. I feel like Mandalore is just this thing that could keep on. Like you could have Star Wars Mandalore, and have essentially Game of Thrones Star Wars show. I would watch that. That might be the Obi-Wan trilogy. I'd watch that on a heartbeat, man. Um, But there's a question of, like, in Rogue One, when they're reading off, they're rattling off, like, the secret Empire plans, and they see something for Black Saber or Black Sword. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Does the Empire have the Dark Saber days later, or are they trying to make their own? Are they trying to get it? There's kind of, like, a question mark there around what's happening with the Dark Saber. It's this. It's a MacGuffin of Star Wars now. It's there. It's in the world. Um, and then Thrawn's extra extra galactic knowledge that leads to the First Order retreating into the outer reaches of the galaxy and reforming as what they are prior to Force Awakens. So, did you read the um, aftermath trilogy? I didn't. I know Thrawn comes from outside the galaxy to begin with, so it's kind of ambiguous. Is it Thrawn's knowledge from before that, or is he coming back after the end of Rebels with other knowledge? The the Aftermath trilogy, which I would recommend, um, it's fun. I, I listen to the audiobooks because I, I have a hard time reading Star Wars books. I like to... <laughs> I like to hear. That's a good way to describe it. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I like to hear, um, hear Star- John Williams music. <laughs> like I, I need to experience Star Wars with John Williams music. Do they put the music in the audiobooks? They do some of it. Yeah, man, I need to start doing the audiobooks. And it's more like a radio drama. Yeah. Then the the guy who did the audiobook, um, his Leia is interesting. Um, he does a pretty serviceable Han Solo, um, which is great. Um, he does a fun, his Lando's kind of fun. Um, he has some, he definitely has some swagger in, in his voice there. So well done. Uh, I listened to all three. It was great. But um, there is the, the story of the First Order starting essentially from the remnants of the Empire retreating and leaving the known galaxy to regroup and then come back stronger. Um, mm-hmm. you, you even get to see um, little Hux learning to be learning to be who he is. So it's Yeah, like, I think there's there's something interesting there because they get a lot more technology, they get Snoke out of that somehow somewhere. I don't know. I'm really interested to see what that there's a gap there that I'm interested in understanding. Mm-hmm. So, 
there's there's some interesting questions that, that Rebels starts, <laughs> other media takes on, but nobody quite finishes. <laughs> so and then so we have some new shows coming, two new shows, one animated, one animated question mark question mark <laughs> yes thanks Seuss. um so we have star wars resistance coming this fall an anime style inspired animated show from dave filoni set a few years before force awakens yes starring a new character whose name i shall know by the uh, by the fall yes um and uh, a wonderful extended cast of lots of comedic actors, including Bobby Moynihan and Donald Faison. Lots of Star Wars super fans who do comedy. Yeah. Um, Poe Dameron is going to be in it. Yes, with Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron, um, BB-8. Mm-hmm. I think some other people. So getting more of those concurrent people already in the resistance at that point. I kind of hope they do more with um, Rose's sister. I hope that she's in it. That would be nice. I mean, they're they're going through pilots, so I'm sure yeah. her sister would have to be part of that somehow. So here are our expectations building for another series of what exactly they're going to deliver on. Is it going to be something that will pay off some of these threads, you know, we were left with many, you know, many type B cliffhangers in Star Wars Rebels. I feel like a lot of them were tied up, but we were left off with at least four type B cliffhangers. But the big thing was resolved, which I didn't think they were going to be able to do. Because it didn't, I wasn't sure, and this goes back to my expectations, I wasn't sure what they were trying to tie up. So when I went back and watched the first thing and said, oh, it's about Lothal and Ezra. And they totally did tie that up. That's in, I mean, they started a new adventure for Ezra, but they tied up him making a choice and saving his own planet. That's mm-hmm. the story that they started to tell. And yes, they did start off with the Inquisitor and Darth Vader and all this other stuff that slowly went away until they got Thrawn in season three. But who well, I think is more dangerous in some ways than the Inquisitors. Oh, yeah, they definitely established that. I really like Governor Price, too. Yeah. Sad that she's gone. She did not make it. Girl Tarkin. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how much Star Wars Resistance is going to wrap up of Rebels. Because it's like 25 years after the epilogue of Rebels. We'd have a better chance of the live action series wrapping up something about Rebels. Because that's like five or six years after the epilogue? Uh, it's seven years after Return of the Jedi. <clears throat> so Okay. It, it could very well, we, we could possibly see at least Hera come back, if not Sabine and Ahsoka in live action. That would be cool. I know. Sorry, in live action, we'll see what their technology is and does. Yeah, if they're doing a lot of that mocap stuff, I mean, Ahsoka's like the perfect mocap character. Yeah. Dots on the face. Get those <laughs> get those dots on. Yeah, so I'm more optimistic about that show. It feels like it's a big leap to like want this animated story to be wrapped up in the again live action um, <laughs> show that they're doing. That feels like that's a big financial jump forward. But I know, like before they started doing the Forces of Destiny, Kathleen Kennedy was like, "We're doing Forces of Destiny," which is about. Um, the women of Star Wars and what makes them special and the important things that Leia and Rey and Ahsoka have contributed. So it's like rattling off the important characters of Star Wars and Ahsoka is in the statement about the show. Mm-hmm. So I'm optimistic. They know. They know we love her. 
Yeah, she's <laughs> she is not yet dead. Um, but then the trick is how do you convince an audience who will have only watched the live action show that this is a standalone story and is worth watching? You turn her into Ray's mother. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe it's Jason. Maybe Jason's Ray's dad. Yeah. So wait, 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 back up. Like ten minutes ago you asked me like why does Jason have to use the force if his dad was a force user? And now you're saying that Ray's parent has to be a force user? I'm trying to justify Ahsoka being important. <laughs> It, Logical fallacy. It wasn't about Ray. It was about giving people a reason to. I don't. I don't know. I'm sorry. I should not have. I, it, I should not have made the joke. I should not have made the joke. Points for Mackenzie. Points for Mackenzie. <laughs> You're right. <clears throat> so Mackenzie, um, you. There's also something that you have in the notes, which I would love for you to explain two things Cassian Andor mm. as okay. as something that isn't wrapped up I guess not wrapped up wrapped up isn't the right way to say that I guess I expected so similar to how they've announced Oscar Isaac will be Poe Dameron in Star Wars Resistance why didn't we get more Cassian Andor in Star Wars Rebels leading up to Rogue One and by more, I mean any. Sure. So I kind of thought that that was something I wanted more of in Rebels that we didn't get. Mm. Especially for... I'm a sucker for like the big background, like overarching evil plots that happen in Star Wars animation. And re-watching the show and re-binging it, I should say, you can definitely follow the plot of Thrawn versus director Krennic. Because mm. Krennic is never in Rebels, but they mentioned him a lot in the last season and a half. And it's very much the Empire's the Empire's a sorority, and only one girl can get into the sorority. It's either the <laughs> TIE Defender program of Thrawn or the Death Star program for Krennic. And Krennic is kind of like messing things up, not doing great, and Thrawn is succeeding. And then Caden um, sacrifices himself to destroy the TIE Defender factory, putting Thrawn in jeopardy and giving... The Death Star Project, the opportunity to thrive, which leads us into Rogue One. Oh, so Kanan causes the Death Star. Yep, it's all Kanan's fault. Oh. Totally. Oh. If I couldn't... just makes me sadder now. I, did, I, <laughs> I was going to rewatch the whole final season, but I knew I would have to watch that episode, and I couldn't bring myself to watch that episode, so I just watched the finale. It's really well done. Oh, gosh. Like, you see when it's about to happen, too, and you're like, I'm still not ready. I don't, yeah. Um, so I, what was the other interesting thing that I have? The Emperor's plan. What is the Emperor's plan? What was the Emperor's plan? Emperor I don't... <laughs> do you know? No. No. It just gets murkier. Yeah. Like, he... It does. He has a plan throughout Clone Wars, which is, I'll make them both fight, and then I'll have all the power. And then after that, I think he gets bored with it, and maybe darkness clouds his judgment, and he just needs to stay in power. So just keep murdering any Jedi that you keep finding. Find any Force-sensitive babies and bring them to me so we can do stuff <laughs> with them. So you start getting in the final, the quote, lost episodes, the final sixth season, or is it fifth season of Clone Wars, you get the start of em the Emperor's plan that takes place throughout Star Wars Rebels, um, which is stated in the first episode of Rebels with Darth Vader saying, go out to the Inquisitor, go out and find young force people and kill them or bring them to me to his castle yeah. but there's not a overarching plan it's just messy like you you see the plans of all the people lower 
like everyone's trying to get more and more power and the empire's corrupt all the way down <laughs> but well, I'm, I'm thinking like even more specifically than the overarching thing yeah the overarching thing is kind of muddy but the prequel trilogy was kind of like he had a muddy plan of I don't know winning there's something there like in the prequel trilogy the pre pre revenge of the Sith revenge of the Sith his plan is basically like I'm an evil Sith Lord and I'm gonna play these puppets against each other and then after he has control of the galaxy it's like I'm an evil bureaucrat and I'm gonna run through the Empire and like with military commanders and trust Thrawn and Tarkin and these people and Darth Vader he's a jerk like, yeah, he has power, but nobody likes him. He's like this outside force. I treat him badly. Um, I, I think a lot about the Emperor and Rebels is very, like... I mean, real Hitler, but also, like, the fake Hitler of the Hellboy world, where, of course, Hellboy world focuses in on, like, the... Um, the paranormal obsessed Hitler, which was a real thing mm -hmm. I, to my understanding. Um, and that kind of feels like what all the force stuff is that the emperor's doing in rebels is like, he's got his actual empire run off of strategic knowledge and technology and force, not the force, but force. <laughs> um, and then he has like this pet Darth Vader and his inquisitors that no one likes and does like these weird things that no one really appreciates. And they all make fun of and don't trust. Um, and then he's also got like this weird minister, evil monk person researching the Jedi temple on Lothal, doing this like skunk works force thing, paranormal. I don't know. Yeah. But then the final moment in the final episode of the emperor bringing Ezra to the ship to look at the piece of the Jedi temple to do something with that. I'm not sure if his plan was to get Ezra out of the picture. And if so, there's so many other easier, better ways to do that. Or number two, use Ezra to get into the temple somehow. And for some reason, but it seems like he already number three had the power to turn on the temple to show Ezra, his family in the past. Yeah, that, that plan was, <laughs> yeah. This is why I'm confused. I'm not sure. He seemed bent on like making Ezra turn on the switch somehow. Well, maybe he knows that Ezra. Ezra wasn't afraid to grab Ahsoka. So that's how Ahsoka is still alive is Ezra grabbed, grabbed her and yanked her from the Jedi temple and helped her survive. Maybe it's not really his parents on the other side of that. And it's something else that the emperor wants him to pull through. And again, the emperor wasn't actually there, so he couldn't do it himself. And maybe he's just battling three different things at one time. Yeah. I just feel like you have to make up a lot. I mean, I understand why that's there for Ezra. I don't understand why it's there for the emperor. Like there's something about the emperor can't access the world between worlds, but he can see into it and like throw force fire into it. Yeah. There might be more that they're going to get into later. I'm, I'm going to have faith in that because this kind of stuff tends to come back. It's not just thrown out there willy nilly. Yeah, it's not. I mean, there's some interesting stuff again in the aftermath novels about other projects that the emperor is doing, um, which also lead to like the battle of Jakku and why Jakku was interesting and what was actually going on there and who are the priests and monks that are helping him do stuff on Jakku, which is like a massive battle. And so there's some interesting stuff there. What's going on on Kashyyyk and other stuff. So he has, the dude is taking over a lot and he has a lot of things, but that specific action um, is confusing. Hmm. What is he doing is the question I ask. So I didn't, 
When I rewatched it, I didn't question it again because I was tracking Ezra. But now that you bring it out, I, it totally doesn't make any sense as a plan. I mean, it must make sense as a plan. And I'm, I think we're just missing something or maybe that missing something isn't there yet. Mm-hmm. So we'll just ask Dave. Yeah, totally. Dear Dave. <laughs> we'll just wait. I'm sure we can tweet at him on Twitter or Pablo Hidalgo. He's not sick of me yet. He's not. And by yet, I mean, I haven't tweeted at him. <laughs> I just use hashtag correct me if I'm wrong, Pablo. <laughs> and maybe one day he'll see my, my hundreds of tweets. <laughs> I haven't been corrected yet. So just saying must be okay. My theories <laughs> must be right. Uh, so is there anything else we have to say? to say goodbye to the show. I do want to say one thing. Um, I know I mentioned um, in my tweet storm, I talked about the art direction a lot. And I think rewatching all Star Wars Rebels and seeing all the amazing key shots and establishing shots, like the art direction for the show was so, so good. And I don't think that any other Star Wars properties made me feel that way about the art direction and as it made me want to be in the world the way that star wars rebels has mm. i don't know if you feel the same it is striking environment um environment was a very big piece so i feel like two things that rebels established were um, animals and nature being a part of the force. Mm -hmm. So in order for that to be established, the environment ha had to be a character. Um, so the fact that we get loath wolves and loath cats and um, all these other <laughs> force sensitive whales and, you know, all these animals <laughs> that are... I mean, it makes sense that I'm, I'm, it sounds like I'm making light, but it makes sense because, you know, Yoda says it, it, it's that goes through and binds all living things. So, mm -hmm. um, and it's not, it's really not until Empire Strikes Back that we start to see nature in a Star Wars movie. You know, we see mm -hmm. technology, we see snow, sure. Um, but we get to Dagobah and there's actually creatures and living things and sounds and birds and things we don't understand and stuff growing. Yeah. So this is, it's a very, uh, grounded, you know, um, grounded work. It's not all space battles, but it's, it's also showing that, Hey, nature is also a part of this. And I like that a lot. I think I think one of the things that I, I may have texted you about after rewatching The Last Jedi is how much it reminds me of the prequels. Mm. One of the reasons being because it has a big, large animal set piece. Right. Which the original trilogy doesn't have. The prequels all have like a big animal action sequence. And so does Last Jedi with the racing track. Um, and Rebels really gets into that. Like, why these animals are important. Like why, why animals? Yes. I'm agreeing with what you're saying in a roundabout way. No, I'm following your agreement of me in a roundabout way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I do agree with you about the striking nature of the art direction of those establishing shots from the very first one to the very last one, like that shot of, Ahsoka walking up in her white outfit with her staff. Doom, doom. Just really cool to the artwork that was there of that Sabine, you know, Sabine created of the her family and then them taking off. Yeah. It was just image. The images were so striking. One of the things that I most want to see 
and I don't think would be in any of the shows that are coming up, but might be like a Forces of Destiny short, is Ahsoka and Luke meeting. Mm. Because Ahsoka comes in after Return of the Jedi, escorted by X-Wings, to meet Sabine. So clearly, the Rebellion knows about Ahsoka. Ergo, Luke must know about Ahsoka. When did they meet? What is that like? She's probably in the throne room. <laughs> on the Death Star? Yeah, on the Death Star. She was hanging out with Luke on the Death Star. Cool. We're just going to do a re-edit with Ahsoka in there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think she was there before the war. I think she kind of like did her own personal journey thing, whatever that means. <laughs> did some research and then showed up to like find Sabine and Ezra. Because Ezra said, come find me. And then she's like, oh, now's the time. Yeah, but clearly, like, she contacted the Rebellion to do that, so... But? So she definitely at least knows Leia, I would think. Yeah, I want to know. when. It's like... It's like she's their aunt, or like their great aunt, or something. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Out of everything we've talked about of what's not wrapped up, that's what I'm most interested in. The Ahsoka Luke Leia scene. <laughs> we know Mark Hamill's down to do some voice acting. Just saying. So so again, it all comes back to Ahsoka. Yeah. Shh. Okay, I feel like I've rambled on enough. Chris, do you have a favorite <laughs> thing looking back on all of Star Wars Rebels? Looking back at all of it, I think my favorite thing for the show was seeing... The striking evolution, I've used that word a lot this episode, <laughs> the striking evolution of Ezra, just seeing who he started off as and seeing who he became in the end. Um, as, as somebody who, it, it, there was this interesting evolution where you see him as a, a whiny person who doesn't make a decision, and then you see him as somebody with a really weird lightsaber that's also a laser, you know, a blaster. And I'm like, well, that's kind of dumb. I hope he gets rid of that soon. But that's him essentially bridging two different worlds, you know, bridging who he used to be and who the force is calling him to be. And then he finally has a lightsaber that he crafts on his own and uses that, but more so uses the force because he leaves that behind and it's the force that saves him in the end his knowledge of the force and nature and everything. So it was a really nice evolution to see. Mm. What about for you? Mm, I'm going to cheat. This is like my record cheat, though. I think I have three favorite things I want to talk about very briefly. <laughs> Go ahead. Number one, looking back at all of Star Wars Rebels, I still think that the season two finale, Twilight of the Apprentice, is the best 45 minutes of Star Wars ever made. <laughs> Just period. If you haven't watched any animated Star Wars, watch that. You won't understand a lot of what's happening, but you're going to have a good time. <laughs> Number two, um, Ian McDermott returning to voice the Emperor. Yeah. I was like, oh, Ian, you're down for anything. I like you. <laughs> um, and number three, I think my thing, my actual like favorite writing moment to bring this podcast back to being about writing <laughs> and animation is when Ezra in the finale is going to turn himself in and everyone stops and says, no, we can do a better plan. And they all go to plan. He kind of waits a second and realizes that no one's looking at him. He can get away. And there's like this nonverbal moment where Ezra turns to Chopper and Chopper gives him like the nod and opens the hatch. And Sabine is also watching and they share a look. And Sabine distracts everyone else while he gets away. It's such a well-done moment mm -hmm. without needing to say anything. Mm -hmm. It's a payoff for everything the show's been doing up until that point. Yes, you're right. Very cool. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> awesome. Should we talk about next time? Let's. Next time, for your homework for our episode of Writers Get Animated, we're going to talk about, um, this is not a judgment, formulaic storytelling. 
and how you can still be inventive within that. How um, giving yourself rules you have to do in every episode make you do interesting things when you break those rules. So your homework for this isn't really specific episodes, but watch um, some of uh, Agret Suko on Netflix, um, which as a warning is not a family friendly show. Nothing super adult happens in it, but it uses some bad words sometimes. You said it was Sanrio. I almost sat down and watched it with Jack because of Hello Kitty. I was <laughs> no, this sorry. close. I was this close. No. I'm like, like, yeah, I'll wait till I can watch it with Jack. I'm like, well, I'll just watch one without him so I could just see. And I was like, oh my god, I was so sorry. <laughs> you can't just say Sanrio. You have to give me a little bit. Of... It's so. like Hello Kitty for adults. Okay, young adults. I don't know how to phrase that better. Um, so yes, maybe don't watch it with kids. Nothing crazy adult, but like consuming of alcohol, some swearing, emotional moments, etc. Yeah. Um, and then the opposite end of that, Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> watch some uh, some Phineas and Ferb, which I ain't never seen before. Yeah, poke around in the first season, go to the final season. All of it is available on the Disney Now app without... Currently. Yeah, currently, so... As of this recording, go watch it. Yeah, I think seasons. they're doing like a summer of Phineas and Ferb, so fingers crossed. So, go for it. <laughs> go forth. Connect four. <laughs> As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can find us on the web. Tweet at us on Twitter, of course, at WG Animated. Also, you can find show notes and links to other cool stuff on our Tumblr, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. And if you're enjoying our show, please leave a review on iTunes so other people can find us. It helps. So if you enjoy the show, leave a review. It'd be awesome. And may the force be with you always. Good night, everybody. Bye, Star Wars Rebels.